Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, how to do succession planning, chapter one. Ready now, ready next. Here we go. Every great executive we know spends a great deal of time on the people in their organization, right? Who's good, who's struggling, hopefully nobody, but sometimes who's doing what we need them to do, who's taking up too many resources, who's creating conflict where they oughtn't. This is because the core responsibility of an executive is to ensure the future profitability of the organization. And of course, you can't do that without Without great people. people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you're going to be responsible for the future, you got to be thinking about who's going to be in what job this year, next year, the year after. And then you got to consider, okay, based on what we think the market is going to do in the next five years, what are, what are the external environment of organizations going to do in the next five years? Where are we weak or strong relative to what we think we'll need? And therefore, what hiring we need to do and what development we need to push in order to create the future we want. Otherwise, the future is going to end up happening to us rather than us creating it, which is not a good situation, right? Right. And so succession planning is a big piece of what managers and executives need to be thinking about. And so today we're going to talk about how to do succession planning now for you and your team. Yeah. And really, this is an, we're going to do a, a series of casts. Guys, we know executives who spend 30% of their time on people. And they're constantly, they're in meetings two or three times a week talking about who's doing what and how well they're doing and what they need and so on. It's not only about succession planning, it's also about performance. Performance and succession planning are linked. If you're going to get a bigger role, if you're going to stay in your role, if you're going to get a different role that you may be a better fit for, we're going to have to closely monitor your performance. And we don't do that by giving you an interview review. We do that by talking about you two or three, four times a year. So, What we want to do with this series is just lay out the basics that any manager can do when it comes to succession planning. And in this first cast, we just want to cover three key ideas that you've got to get and get you started to give you some actionable work to do regarding your directs. That's all we're going to focus on is you and your directs for now. This is not organizational tools yet. It's just manager tools. And we've got three things we want to share. First is the big mistake that people make is not realizing that succession planning The process of developing people based on their needs and the organization needs can actually cause opportunities to be created. Succession planning is not a response to opportunities. It creates opportunities. The second thing that a lot of managers don't realize that it's not hard and you can do succession planning without your organization doing it or requiring it of you. This is not a passive thing. You can be actively doing it all by yourself. And lastly, we want to introduce this concept of ready now and ready next, standard industry definitions, if you've not heard of them before. And then we'll also encourage you to also use not ready in order to discriminate between the varying levels of performance, competence, and performance future potential of the directs you have working for you. Really simple. I mean, we're going to start really simple this time. Over a series of casts, we're going to add steps to the process so that you can add this to your regular work. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours doing it so that you can be ready and you can help your people get the jobs they need, whether it's staying in the job they have or getting them a better job because they've earned it. All right. So let's talk about 
one of the misapprehensions about succession planning. Most managers think that succession planning helps your directs get ready for when opportunities arrive, right? For promotions. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and that's not untrue, but it misses a larger, more important truth. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing that managers think is, oh, I got to do succession planning. And then when an opportunity comes up, well, then, you know, my succession planning will put my guys in good stead. And, and, and that's not wrong. It's just not the whole story. And so people see succession planning as this kind of passive thing we do periodically that we have to do as politics in order to keep our people ready. But actually, succession planning, if you do it right, if you know what the strengths and weaknesses of your people are, what jobs they want, what jobs you think they could be good for, and you make a habit of going through this entire process we're going to share with you, including, to some degree, actively campaigning for your people to get the right jobs, the ones that they want, the ones that will help them shine, you can actually create opportunities in your organization for your people to get promoted into. And people don't get that. They think that, well, we're all doing succession planning. In case there's an opening, my guys might be ready. But no, you do the succession planning and you realize, Ozan realizes this guy Horseman he's got working for him is really good. And he's got some digital skills that, frankly, we really need and not a lot of people have. And we need to get him over there to that part of the organization where they're really running wild with the digital stuff. Right. Um, and you discover what my strength is, you develop me, you introduce me over there, you create relationships for me over there, you actively campaign for me over there, and then once they know how good I am, the opportunity never exists. They just say, we're moving horsemen. And other people go, well, gee, I didn't know there was a job there. And people say, well, there's not. There really wasn't. We found the right guy. How did that opportunity for me occur? Because you did succession planning and realized what I was capable of. You knew my strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, it becomes it becomes obvious, right? You you analyze the development path for your direction. You know where they stand relative to various opportunities, and it becomes these these opportunities for your folks become obvious. Yeah, and look, you're better able to sell your directs to other people when you're thinking through where your directs are in their growth, and the ability to sell your directs is unfortunately rare and a huge competitive advantage for you and for your organization. And I mean, you're a part of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Succession planning is about understanding what talents exist in the organization. And of course, talents always come robed in people. What is the talent distribution in the organization? What are the talent needs? In other words, where do we need to have talent applied in order to create value? And then determining where there are matches and where there are mismatches, and then realigning our talent to maximize its ability to create value. And if I've got somebody who was hired as a graphic designer, but he's got really good analytical skills, we may need to have him do something in R&D that he wouldn't have gotten hired by R&D, but the R&D guys aren't getting their stuff used because they can't communicate with any other part of the organization. And what are we going to do? We're going to put our guy over there. He has good relationships across the organization. He has good analytical skills, so he can build credibility with the technical people and He's got good enough relationships that he can help sell their ideas across the organization. Well, you can't do that if you don't know the guy has great analytical skills. Unless you sit down and think, what are this guy's strengths and weaknesses? Where could I see him going? Can I think more broadly about it? Uh, and then 
because you've been thinking about it, because you believe it, the ability to create relationships and sell people for opportunities. That's how organizations grow. They don't, they don't grow because openings occur because somebody leaves. When a manager finds out, when Ozan finds out that Horseman is leaving in three months, Ozan has already been thinking there's going to be an opening. Who am I going to fill it with? Or the moment you find out I'm leaving, you immediately go talk to two of the people on your bench. And those people are on your bench because somebody else is succession planning for them, their bosses, and saying, Mike, you got to talk to this guy. Right. He's really, really good. And then the moment the, the moment it's announced that I'm leaving, it's, well, Horseman's leaving, but Johnson's taking his place. And somebody goes, well, I didn't even have a shot at Horseman's job. That's right, because your boss wasn't doing succession planning. And look, guys, as a manager, if you don't learn to do this early in your career, you're going to be terrible at succession planning. And I don't mean to be hard on you guys. I'm not. I just, I'm afraid that if you get to be an executive and you haven't done this before, what's bad about not knowing it when you're an executive is, is it's expected you'll know it when you're an executive. And you have to be good at it when it's expected of you. So you won't be any good at it when it's most valuable. Okay. And if you don't know how to do this stuff, you won't be able to get your folks promoted. If you don't plan for opportunities, those opportunities are not going to come available to you. You're just not going to find out about them. The managers who get their folks promoted are not the ones who respond well to openings that HR announces. They're the ones who make openings happen by having overprepared directs whom they can sell and whom they're accurate in describing what their strengths and weaknesses are. And again, it's not hard. It's, it's 15, 20 minutes with each direct, making sure you're clear about what their strengths and weaknesses are. That's all it is. There you go. Yeah. I just want to say it again, guys. It's not hard. And we're trying to make this super simple. Part of the reason we're doing this in the series of casts is we didn't want to do one two-hour cast that people go, oh, gosh, there's so much to do. At the end of each one of these series of casts, over a course of the next few months, you're going to be able to do everything we ask relatively quickly. And in about a six-month period, you're going to know everything you need to know. You're going to have the documents created, and you're going to know who to talk to in order to get the right people in front of the right opportunities. Okay. So let's go on and talk about a second myth of succession yeah. planning. And, and I think this is, frankly, the, the more widely held one. The first one we talked about is less widely held, but it's more deadly. Yeah, it is. It's worse. But yeah, because it just is. The second one's easier to believe. Yeah. It's just wrong. <laughs> it's wrong, right? And that is a lot of managers tell us that they can't do succession planning unless the organization is doing it, right? It's one of those right. things that if nobody else is doing it, I don't have time for it. The additional effort is just too much. And I'll let you tell us why, but it's crazy. Yeah, it's actually worse than that. But, but, but I don't think it's manager's fault. And I think a lot of managers are going, geez, I'm messing up again. That's not what we mean to say, guys. I think there's a standard belief, and no one's ever debunked it really, I think, to a large number of managers, that succession planning is something that organizations do. The equivalent would be like a manager saying, I'm going to determine what corporate-wide pay raises are going to be this year. Of course, no manager thinks that, right? Well, same thing. Succession planning, in the minds of most managers, is an organizational process, Okay, HR runs it. Some senior person says we need to pay better attention to our people. We're losing people, so we need to get them on fast tracks. Or, you know, we just seem not have the right talent at the right time. Or our business is changing. We need to take a look at what we've got versus what we need. You know, just basically a, a gap analysis, that kind of thing. And look, if you believe that, 
And then you go listen to the vocabulary, to the conversations that happen in large organizations today and small organizations for that matter, it would be absolutely borne out. Not that many organizations do succession planning. And when they do it, HR runs it or a senior person runs it. Again, it's like saying, oh, my little team and I, we're going to do re-engineering. Well, you know, people don't do that. Some low-level manager says, I'm going to hire a benefits consultant. Well, no, managers don't do that. So most managers believe that succession planning is something an organizational organization does, okay? And as you said, shoot, if the organization's not going to do it, why would I do it? But in fact, that's what the heart of this series of casts is all about. What we're recommending is you doing on your own what an effective manager would do because you can. And I'll, I'll give you the simple, the boiled down simplicity of it all. If you believe succession planning is what the organization does, you approach it, the organization approaches it from an organizational perspective and says, let's look at what talent we need. Let's, lo- let's analyze the marketplace. Let's do it at a pretty high level. Let's look at it systemically, you know, in the aggregate. All of that work about what do we need and, and where the talent is and how strong are we in various areas going forward in the next five or 10 years, all of which are judgment calls about aggregated um, behaviors and, and talents and so on. All of that ultimately ends up at some point involving individual managers describing what people who work for them have the capability to do. Okay. What we're suggesting is the manager's role in succession planning, which essentially benefits the manager and his or her directs, can be done without the overarching succession planning of the organization. And if you're the manager who does it, you will benefit far more than everybody else in the near term because your people will get more of what they want and you'll understand better where you need to help them. And the organization will do better in the long run because you'll be ready when they actually start doing succession planning and you'll do better in the long run as well because your people will do better over time than somebody else. You'll know who's good and who's not, why they're good and why they're not. You'll be able to direct your efforts toward coaching and so on. So look, when managers say, well, we don't do succession planning here, that's the phrase, Mike, that kills me. We don't do succession planning. Yeah, the organization does it, so therefore the manager says, therefore I don't have to, because the only reason I would do it is part of the organizational effort, because succession planning is an organizational effort, and that's false, okay? You can, as an individual manager, do some simple things, and that's what this series of cast is, to help you and your team and your directs get more of what they want, and to help your part of the organization effectively serve the organization, because whether the organization does it or not, you could consider yourself as a manager, you and your small team, you are an organization, a sub-organization of the larger one, but you're an organization nonetheless, and you can analyze the talents that you have against the needs of the organization, the needs of the, the marketplace. It may be the internal marketplace of your firm or the external marketplace. And you can actually say, we're good or we're not, or this guy has more skills than I can use. I need to find him another role, or he wants to go in this direction. And part of my job is to, in, in the short run and the long run as a manager and executive, is to ensure the short-term and long-term profitability of the organization. So I better try to keep a guy because he's expensive. Human capital is the most expensive thing organizations have. So... You don't need to wait for your organization to do it. This does not take much time. Most of you will be able to do what we're going to recommend in this cast in 15 minutes total after this cast is over. And it literally is a rough sketch. It's, it's not even a sketch. It's just some notes. 
Okay. And even if your organization never does succession planning, again, this is the right thing for you to do for your team and ultimately for the organization in the long run, whether they recognize it or not. Your work here will help the right people. And yeah, they'll be your people, but the right people get promoted. Good. Okay. So let's talk about how to do that, at least how to start, right? And I'm sure we've, we've mentioned these terms before, ready now, ready next, and not ready. So let's talk about that. Right. What does that mean and how does that apply to, to succession planning? Yeah, there's a standard succession planning phraseology. There are different ways to talk about it, but the majority of companies, when they talk about uh, succession planning, they talk about ready now, ready next, and so on. There are terms used to describe someone's readiness to get promoted to the next level in an organization. That's it. And you might imagine what they each mean, and you'd be pretty darn close to being right. But we want to explain them in a little bit more detail. With the goal here, at the end of this cast, we're going to say, we're going to recommend that you take some time and make a list of your directs and evaluate each one of them as either being ready now, ready next, or not ready, okay? For your first time through doing succession planning, you don't need to read a book. You don't need to have a talent analysis of the external marketplace. Now, that stuff will all come. But ultimately, as an individual manager, the benefit of you knowing your people is to provide that raw material into the larger organizational system. We're going to teach you how to focus on succession planning from the individual manager perspective rather than the organizational perspective, because the organization doesn't exist outside of individual managers. And if you learn your role now by understanding these terms and what they mean and how to apply them to your folks, then when your organization asks you to do it or when you get to an organization that does it, you're going to be in good shape. And even if your organization doesn't ask for it, you're going to feel better about knowing where to put your people and why. Good. I suspect you're probably going to tell us that this is, sounds complicated. It's going to take hours, like hours for each of my directs. Yeah, hours. Yeah. I think we would say it's not going to take hours because we know nobody would do it. And we actually believe in actionable guidance. And part of actionability is likelihood that people will do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so look, we recommend you spend a f- we, yeah, we recommend you spend a few minutes review each of your directs based up based on the three criteria we're going to share with you. Literally, we think you can do it in 5 minutes. This initial assessment without a great deal of analysis yet until you learn more about how the organization feels about various skills and talents and so on is where any smart individual manager starts his or her succession planning work. Okay? Let's talk about each of the three criteria. The first one is ready now. Ready now means that someone is ready today to get promoted into a larger role or, or, or move into a different role that would develop or broaden them. Now, a big mistake that people make in succession planning is who's going to get promoted. It's not always a promotion and specifically not just any promotion. They don't have to be ready for your role. That's a common mistake that people make in succession planning, that it's all about climbing the, the ultimately narrowing number of ladders in the organization to get to the top. Okay. So it could be any number of roles. Yeah, exactly. That might be right for a, a particular person. And we'll recommend in a future class that you list the roles they might be right for, okay? And we're going to explain how to do that and why you do it that way later in this series. Ready now does not mean that they're ready to be immediately highly effective in a higher level or a different role. It means they're ready to handle the next job at a competent level by working hard at it. Hmm. Now, Most of us, dude, are terrible at remembering how much we struggle at the beginning of the role we're in now or at the beginning of almost any role. 
<laughs> right, we don't right. most of us most of us are really bad at remembering when we learned the things that we know now that have helped us do our jobs better. So what we do is we oversimplify and we kind of tell ourselves we've always sort of known those things. Yeah, and I can imagine a lot of managers like sitting around waiting until somebody is ready to be perfect at that role. And they Yeah, it doesn't work. Right, they'll never get there. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, really smart, effective managers know we want the promotee to be stressed and in over their head for a few weeks. Promotions and new roles are important moments where we stretch people, and they learn that they're supposed to be stretched. If we only wait until someone absolutely is capable of doing the job immediately, you have to wait too long. They don't learn enough, and They don't learn to take the risks that are necessary as you get higher up in the organization. Now, I know when I say that, half the audience listening is like, well, no, our job is to eliminate risk. No, folks, you're wrong. Your job is not to eliminate risk. Your job is to understand the risk that exists and engage in behaviors that will allow you to take advantage of the opportunity that exists on the other side of that risk while mitigating the risk as best you can without spending so much time on mitigation and resources on mitigation that you whittle away the value of the opportunity you're seeking. That's all it is. And too many managers believe, and and look, let's be honest, our audience, Mike, wouldn't you agree, is more skewed a little bit more toward the high seas. And what they believe is let's let's eliminate the risk. Guys, your job is not to eliminate risk. Your job is to mitigate risk. And as you become an executive, the risk gets bigger and the costs to mitigate them get bigger. And you, you start really thinking about profitability as not just pricing versus cost of goods sold, but the price and the volume and the cost of goods sold and the other risks that you have to address in various ways, the number of people you have to apply to one opportunity and the opportunity cost of not going after something else, whether you take income now versus future income, those are all executive choices. Hey folks, go talk to your financial planner and your financial planner will tell you that the greatest rewards financially come with the greatest risk. And yeah, you can't find something that has great returns with low risk, it doesn't ex- really. Because I've been, you've been I trying, thought, you know, my yeah. bro. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't really work that way. Oh, I've got the perfect deal for you, sir. You give give me your money in cash, and I have very high returns and no risk. Yeah, so folks, high C's. If you don't want to take any risk in your career, just be comfortable with low returns. That's all yeah, I'm saying. Exactly. Just saying. That, just, that, saying. just saying. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So ready now means that they're ready for a different role which may, for any number of reasons, be seen as more important than the one they're in now, even if it's, in fact, at the same level as where they are now. Sometimes those kind of moves aren't seen as promotions, but the question in succession planning isn't only about vertical growth. The question is about helping the direct and the organization have the right talent in the right places. You want people to succeed after having been stressed and growing into the role. And the reason success is important because that means the job requirements are getting fulfilled, which allows the organization to achieve its mission. And look, I mean, every career planning guidance you could read today says you have to have skills across the organization and that that whole narrow vertical path is out. And by the way, that's not just true in the last 10 or 15 years. That's been true for 50 years. 
it was just handled differently. It was much more done at corporate level. The big change in careers is not so much a cause as it is a result of organizations no longer managing people's careers. And so people knowing that they have to move around on their own in order to get the broad, broad enough kind of opportunities uh, so they can succeed at more senior levels. Yeah. Um, in the same way that if all you do is get numerical results and you don't have any relationships, when you become an executive, you'll fail. If all you do is no sales and you don't have any relationships and operations, you don't know anything about budgeting and so on, when you get to become an executive, you're going to fail. Okay. So that's ready now. So right. what does ready next mean? That mean like the guy's going to be ready next week, next month? Yeah, next week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just insert insert whatever, whatever tomorrow um, what? time factor you want in there. Ready next means that somebody isn't ready right away for a new role, either because they don't have the skills for that role or they haven't sufficiently mastered the skills of the role that they're in now, but they have the capability and a path could be crafted to get them there. In other words, they're not ready today, but you can see a way to get them there at some point in the future. Okay. Now, a lot of managers make the mistake of saying, oh, that guy clearly can get promoted someday. That's not the standard in Ready Next. Ready Next means this person has the capability and I can see a path for them getting there. If the direct says, I don't want it, and so therefore you can't drag them kicking and screaming in the next role, then they're not going to be Ready Next. Right. Well, so if I put somebody in Ready Next, that means they they have the capability and they they I can see a path for them getting there. I don't like that because that implies that if I know that and I can see the path and I'm doing my job as a manager, like I should be taking actions to get them on that path. That's that's a trick. You're trying to get to me to act as an yeah. effective manager and coach people and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's very tricky. Yeah. Very tricky. I have an anecdote for that. And this may be apocryphal. I don't know. But I talked to somebody a number of years ago who told me, Mark, Ready Next was invented because – the early succession planning efforts at some very large, very successful corporations was ready now or not ready. It started out as ready or not ready. And now and ready next were added because what was happening is there were managers who were basically putting everybody in their team in not ready except the person they wanted to get promoted who was ready. And they would put all their chips in one basket and they would only develop that one person. To the detriment of everybody else. Ready Next says, this person has the capability. They have the desire. And there's a path. And you can't just simply make everybody not ready and then say there's no path. And so that's what not ready means, right? There's no path. There's no desire. And so therefore, I don't have to work with them on that. So remember this, too. If someone's a good performer, it's entirely possible that the moment they step into a new role, they're ready next for the role after that. That means if yesterday I was a software developer and today I got promoted and I'm a software development manager, I could also be today ready next to be a software development director if someone believes I have the temperament, the capability, the intellect, the people leading skills, the relationship building skills, and if this person worked for me, and horsemen can see a way to get them there. And, and by the way, there are widely divergent standards on what the timeline is, whether it's six months or three years or something, we generally say a year to two years before someone's ready. And if it's going to take that long, then they're ready next. 
Ready next means that there is some understanding of the gap between where the direct is right now and where they would have to be in order to be counted as ready now. You don't necessarily need the detailed plan, but you probably need to be able to verbalize the gap analysis you've done. And by the way, that'll be on our simple succession planning form we'll share with you in a cast or two. Not ready, let's at least talk about not ready briefly. Not ready means that there's either no desire or no ability or no clear understanding of the gap for one of our directs. Many organizations don't use this identifier, but it's kind of weird because what they do is they just don't give somebody a title. Right, they're ready now. There's ready now, there's ready next, and undefined. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's obvious what it means. And I've seen some organizations say ready next, and that person will be ready in 10 years. Like, that's not, you know... The reason the organization wants to know these things is to apply resources to those people who are going to be ready now or ready next. It's crazy to say it'll take 10 years. If your firm doesn't use ready now or ready next, we encourage you to be cautious about throwing the terms around, but we'd be willing to bet in the next five years if your firm starts doing section planning, you'll hear these terms. Not ready sometimes means that somebody has expressed no interest. Okay. I don't want to change. I don't want to grow. I like my job now. Okay. And we hear that a lot from people. Well, Mark, your examples are always the people who want to get promoted. Well, yeah. And, and guys, I just want to, I want to say it again. If I haven't said it 50 times, then lucky you, because this would have been 51 if I had said it 50 times. The reason we use examples of people who want to get promoted is the smart manager knows to spend differential time on your top performers, who usually are people who want to get promoted, who want more opportunity. Not so much just the promotion, but they want to serve in a bigger way. They want to deliver more results. They want to be recognized more and so on. We don't spend a lot of time talking about managing our weakest employees, although we certainly have them and we do have cast about that, like the coaching model and so on. But a lot of times people say, I'm not interested. And, and folks, it's okay that people don't express an interest. Sometimes, you know, that's fine. I want you to keep in the back of your mind though, folks, and we're going to do a cast on this sometime in the next year. I just wrote it down, in fact, last night while I was writing this cast on an airplane. If someone says that they have no interest in growing, you have to explain to them that their job is constantly growing. And by definition, in order to keep current, as opposed to starting an inevitable decay, they have to keep growing as well. And there are all kinds of examples we can use of jobs that are so much different now than they were, than they were 10 years ago. Same job, totally different though, because of computers, because of technology, because of the internet, because of healthcare system, because of fusion, all kinds of things. And I should continue. Sometimes not ready means a lack of skills. Sometimes it's a combination of both desire and lack of desire, lack of skills. Look, sometimes it's a family situation that trumps somebody who's really awesome, but says, I can't go anywhere or do anything for two years. My, my youngest is doing chemotherapy. Okay. You're not ready. And you put a note on there that says not ready family member with cancer, tied to this location, needs flexibility. And you know, that's when you find out how great a boss and how great an executive and how great a company you work for. And they say, okay, and as soon as you're done with that, come back to us, let us know. And then you put all those together, ready now, ready next, not ready. With all those thoughts in your head, it's simple what we're recommending you do. Make a list of your directs, evaluate each one of them as ready now, ready next, or not ready. Do it without any more guidance than that. Do it on the back of a napkin. Do it in your head and tell Siri your thoughts if you have an iPhone 4S, <laughs> whatever the, the name of the latest one is. It's literally that easy. 
Okay. And the reason why we don't want to introduce paper forms and more complicated stuff is because at times, this is what you have to be able to do is think about your people this quickly. I'm often seen if you, there were a video of our cast, you often would see me licking my index finger and sticking up in the air as if to, to test which way the wind is blowing, right? Sometimes you just need to be able to quickly assess something. And sticking your finger up in the wind is not really accurate, but generally you can tell whether the wind's blowing lightly or not at all. So do the simple thing first. Make a list and evaluate them. Ready now, ready next, or not ready. Carry that around for a while. Let that ferment a little bit. Let it cogitate a little bit. And then when we come back to this cast, this series of casts, in about a month, we'll suggest the next step. Right. And for now, Mike, that's, that's it. So quick wrap up. Succession planning actually causes opportunities. It's not the response to opportunities. It's not a system. It's actually a proactive way of addressing talent management. You don't have to wait for your organization to do it. We understand why you have been waiting and why you haven't been doing it because you have other things to do. And then the key is what we said, ready now, ready next, not ready. If you get the idea of ready now and ready next, and you're willing to think about your people with an eye toward clarity rather than softness and, and love. Succession planning is not hard. The manager's role in succession planning is to know her people, strengths and weaknesses, and to have a good understanding of how that might fit into the internal and external environments in which they work. You've always got to be asking yourself as a professional, as, as, as an effective manager, is this person ready now? Is there a path for them to be ready? Are they truly, really not ready? Knowing that is going to help you create opportunities for your team and where it really matters is choosing how to develop them and developing them most appropriately. That's your job as a manager. Yeah. Whether your organization is doing it or not, it's still your job. Exactly. You got it. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.